We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Aikman is intercepted by Sam Mills. Steve Smith is going to go all the way. Panthers win in overtime. Newton steps up, close to the end zone. Touchdown by Moore. And in the foot race, McCaffrey to the end zone. He pounded on three. One, two, three. He pounded. Welcome back to another episode of The Roar, brought to you by Blue Wire. I'm your host, Billy Marshall. And as always, joined by my co-host, John Ellis. John, how are you this evening? Oh, I'm doing well, Billy. Uh, obviously, a lot to cover with this team, as always. Uh, what a week it's been. And uh, trying to digest a little bit of film from Sunday. But, uh, yeah, let's let's get into it, man. Yes, we do have a lot to cover since our last podcast. There was it's just been a lot of news that's been happening with this team. And uh, we're going to try to cover it all on this episode. Um, you know, just a housekeeping item. I'm not sure if we're going to do the previews moving forward, just because uh, my own personal time, it's been a little uh, kind of clogged up here with work, which is why you don't see me as much on my, uh, you know, football Twitter account. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll try to get everything in here at, at once. And that includes a recap of Sunday's game against the Rams, uh, the press conference David Tepper gave, uh, last week, uh, the news about the Robbie Anderson trade uh, and also just some forward thinking news about where this team goes in the future. There's been some good articles written about that, uh, specifically one that I would like to reference with you, John, from Brad Spielberger, of PFF, a good friend of both of ours. Um, so let's just get into this game. You know, I came in last week uh, very confident that they had a chance. I still kind of think they should have probably won this game. Um, you know, they were winning at halftime. So, you know, defensively they stood up and I just don't think the Rams are a very good offense right now uh, oh. due to the fact that they're just, uh, they're just as injured as Carolina. They were down to like third and fourth and fifth stringers on their offensive line. Uh, they Panthers defense uh, when they were healthy. Uh, I mean, specifically Derek Brown, again, continues a strong season. Um yep. And he was really stood out. Mark Sanchez highlighted him a number of times. Uh, and, you know, it was good to see Dante Jackson get involved. Uh, he had the pick six, uh, the yeah. only touchdown of the game for this team. Uh, I mean, offensively, it was just a, a very, um, 
it was a struggle. Now let's just keep it very lightly and <laughs> we'll get into why that was. I think there are some concerning elements that come from the game plan. Uh, but overall, I just think, you know, we know what PJ Walker is and in that, but to me, I'll just start with the defense. And again, this is not a Rams offense that is the Rams offense of last year. Allen Robinson is a very talented player, a Skronik, Cup. Those are good players, but obviously Cup we know is elite. Uh, and Stafford, he, the issue with him is that he's been nursing an injury off and on, which he has for the, most of his career. But I think that what you're seeing with the Rams right now is that their offensive line is just way depleted and uh, they have issues of their own uh, with internally, at least with their running back situation, Cam Akers didn't play. So I was confident of that. And I, yeah, I understand the Panthers also had injuries of their own with Chin and Levu out, but to me, this just looked very ripe for the taking. And defensively, I thought they showed out in that first half. And uh, unfortunately for this defense, as we saw last year, a very similar theme where they just kind of wear out by the second half. And uh, there's really not much else you can do at that point. No, there's not, Billy. It, it's really an imbalanced football team right now. I mean, PFF has them ranked fourth in special teams play, which I, I think has been as we try to highlight some pauses, very refreshing. They've done some good things. They've built what I think is a pretty good core on their offensive line. Um, now, I, I know there's some hype about Aquanu this week, his PFF grade. Let me just remind people that about half of P.J. Walker's passes were, were attempted at or behind the line of scrimmage. So let, let's take that with a little bit of grain of salt. But Aquanu is coming along in both the pass game and especially in the run game. And I thought early on in that game, I mean, let's just start with the offense. They they came out and, you know, people with a little bit of cynicism would say, well, they're trying to feature McCaffrey to use him as trade bait. Well, folks, that's not how it works in the NFL. People know what McCaffrey can do. I think they're trying to take the air out of the football. They know PJ's limitations. And I thought early on that's acceptable. They were moving the ball at a pretty good clip. They're getting him involved in the motion game. They got him out wide a little bit. They're running some jet. I think that's pretty decent way to use him. A little bit of pony action with, 33 in the backfield and, and you've got McCaffrey in the game at the same time. But as the game wore on Billy, it became really apparent. And I tweeted this out right near the end of half that, you know, and I, I don't put this on Steve Wilkes this is a really tough spot for him to be in. And I like Steve, but Ben McAdoo has no trust in PJ Walker, none, zero, none, no trust at all. And it was apparent around halftime right before when they had those timeouts and they, they were just going to, you know, take it on into halftime with the lead the only touchdown on the board coming on a pick six that by the way, Brian Burns had a big hand in, in terms of coverage. Um, that's kind of demoralizing, man. I, I think if we go back to our preseason previews, I think one of us probably mentioned at some point, hey, if we were down to PJ Walker starting by week six or week seven, the season is essentially over in terms of being competitive in the playoff race. And I know that's crazy to be saying the P word right now, but had they won that game, they'd have been a game back in a division that's very gettable all of a sudden. So look, are they to the level of where Tampa is right now? Talent wise? No, not overall, but you want to stay in the race. And that game right there was a clear indicator that offensively they are miles away from being where they need to be. And it starts at quarterback. And it also goes hand in hand with what you've been saying for weeks, Billy, the, the coordination of this offense is just lackluster. It's just not there. Yeah. And <sighs> I mean, there's a couple areas that I think could have been addressed better. 
from a coaching standpoint, they had a couple fourth down decisions that I just was really confused. Why didn't they go for it? Like there was one, yeah, right. they were inside Rams territory. I think it was like at the 40 yard line. It's like fourth and one. And they like rushed the offense off the field and rushed the special teams on trying to like confuse them. I don't know what that was all, what that was all about, but still like, you know, you're an interim head coach. You should probably try to be a little aggressive. Um, you're a 10 yeah, yeah. and a half point underdog on the road against the defending champions. Um, you know, you should be aggressive in these situations and try to really figure out, you know, how to gain some type of advantage. So I wasn't really pleased with that situation. Uh, and again, I understand he's an interim coach, but if he wants to audition for the head coaching job, then this, you know, those are situations that you should go for it. I mean, it's a no brainer, especially in this day and age. Uh, you know, outside of that, John, I think I, I watched a couple of Wilkes' pressers last week and he really mentioned the need to run the ball. And I respect that. Okay. I'm, I'm not against running the football. I think you have to run it. But to me, this game was what Steve Wilkes wanted. And that was to run the ball. And they really just, and I'm not saying PJ should be dropping back 30 to 40 times. I'm far from it, but you have to invite the element of the pass to open up the run as well. And by that, I mean, you have to get these linebackers, Wagner and Ernest Jones to maybe take a couple steps backwards. So then you, when you do hand it off to McCaffrey and you're, the linemen are going to the second level. It gives them bigger. It gives a running back a bigger hole. And to me, they just, I mean, the Rams to their credit, Raheem Morris was like, you know what guys, I mean, if they're not going to, you know, do any type of play action, just stick in there and, you know, play eight in the box and got to give them credit. And the most frustrating thing was like, even their best play offensively was a Jacob Beeson check down that went like 50 yards because of McCaffrey. It was just a struggle, and I haven't had a chance to watch the All-22, John, uh, but I agree with you. I I don't – and I I agree with your analysis on Iquano. I'm not trying to rip him. I thought he had a pretty sound day overall, Um, but it's tough to really tell how well he did in the pass protection standpoint because they really didn't drop back. No, they didn't. No, they did. I mean, look, you look at the passing chart for P.J. Walker. It was – I mean, how many attempts do you have in the game? after? That was one of the most disgusting things I've seen. It was gross. It was gross. And it was, it was going viral. One, I think Ruiz tweeted it out and Norris, all of our favorites, the, the sort of the, the Panthers bandwagon on the national peripheral there were like, Oh my God, this is an all time low. Yeah. It was 10 of 16, Billy for 60 yards um, with a long of 16. And I'm sure that 16 yard play, I, I don't remember it, but it certainly wasn't a vertical concept. And you're right. Easton gets in and this is, th- this is where you are as a team. And this was my biggest fear coming into this season was, not Matt Rule getting fired. Look, that's he's getting well compensated. And best of luck to him. He'll end up landing a big job in college and being paid enormous amounts of money by a lot of people, including the current ownership here. My biggest concern was for some of these veterans on this team, because I saw this happen. I think you were around long enough to remember 2010, and it's sort of got that feel to it, where you've got enough competency around. I'm not, I'm not saying they're ready to challenge for a Lombardi here, not by any means. But there's competency along some of the key points of this team. The defensive line is really nice right now. The offensive yep. line is playing together. I mean, look, they might not be the best unit, but you can say this, they haven't missed a snap together all year. That hasn't happened in here in a minute. Mm-hmm. And 
what happened in 2010? Well, you had a revolving door quarterback. It was Clawson. It was Matt Moore. It was uh, St. Pierre. It was Tony Pike. And here we are again. So that was my biggest fear coming in that we would see PJ Walker in real live game action. And look, I'm not sliding PJs an NFL player, but let's face it. He was one of Matt rules guys. And we talked about the issues with turnovers and I think McAdoo and Wilkes just came in and said, look, we're going to be absolutely the most conservative vanilla we can do here with PJ. And we hope that McCaffrey breaks a couple long ones. We hope we can get the screen game going and we hope to God our defense can give us a defensive touchdown. Well, they did one of those things. They couldn't get the, the short screen game going like they wanted. And obviously they weren't going to let PJ cook. They, they weren't going to let him do it. And, uh, you know, when I looked at the tape, I looked at about 50% of the offensive snaps and I said, I'm done. I'll go look at the defense because those guys are playing hard. Um, but no, the offense, yeah, this is where they're at, Billy. It's, it's depressing. Um, and a lot of this is by the result of giving this head coach, the now former head coach, an opportunity to bring in this coordinator and this run of quarterbacks who, unfortunately, they've been hurt and that's part of the game. And now we're sitting here, Billy. A year later, almost to the day where Sam Darnold was throwing picks to Minnesota in the opening snap and throwing picks to New England out on the boot, talking about Sam Darnold being the best option back in the lineup, when you, among all people, were saying, hey, maybe it's best if this team just stick with Bridgewater, and then maybe, again, best to just stick with Sam. They just keep chasing veterans, and hopefully they've learned their lesson by now because this is just a mess. Yeah, and again, we'll get into those long term conversations here in a few but yeah and i don't think darnold is even close to getting ready yet uh as far as just his availability to practice and then he needs another ramp up period to get in game shape and just get his arm ready uh, so yep. you're not i potentially don't think you see sam darnold until november at the earliest um, now maybe baker gets healthy within the next two weeks uh, i saw him you know shaking hands with stafford at the end of the game so he took the flight with the team to Los Angeles. So yeah, yeah. that's always a good sign when, you know, a player is injured, he still travels. Uh, so he wasn't, you know, hurt to the fact that he can't travel. Um, but yeah, John, and I think we had this conversation about PJ Walker in the preseason when they were giving him all those snaps. And again, I'm, I'm willing to give, uh, put the blame on the PJ situation on Matt rule. Okay. I'm, I'm willing to do that. 100%. But to me at this point now, I would rather see Jacob Eason. And the reason I would, and I don't care like if Eason goes out there and has a PJ Walker type game, but I just think that we know what PJ is. He's not doing anything to elevate your team. At least when I saw Eason, I mean, the guy, I mean, he definitely has a live arm. I mean, the ball just, yeah, yeah. You know, comes out of his hands really quickly and he has a strong arm. Yeah, he threw the interception. I I mean, it is what it is. It was a good play by the defender for first and foremost. I understand people want to, you know, every interception, it's the quarterback's fault. But no, that was a really good play by, uh, I think it was Nick Scott, uh, the Ram safety. Uh, but and it was the red zone too. It's an area that's always very difficult. And, uh, but but overall, like I, I thought Easton just, he doesn't have the mobility, obviously. But if, you know, they're in a situation where um, you have to pick between him or Walker this week. I would rather go with these and Hey, maybe, you know, this time next week I can, you know, I can swallow my pride and realize that he has a poor game, but I, I just want to see something new. We know what PJ is. We've spent here for three years, you know, great guy, as you said, John, uh, but 
we've done this dance with him. I think it's just think move on, but you know, it is what it is, I guess. I I, I just quickly on that. I think it's, you know, you're in, you you don't want to fold up the tent, but I think we've seen this play out enough and I like Steve Wilkes, but you know, Matt, I mean, Dave Tepper's already laid this out with his own language. He has to do a quote, unbelievable job to get consideration. And I think honestly, they're, as as much as I revere Steve Wilkes for what he does on the defensive backside, the defensive side, I think this team eventually in their best interest needs to finally, and we'll, we'll get into this. I know long-term, but look into some of the offensive minds around the league as a head coach. But in terms of this game, yeah, I think Easton showed a live arm. I think he came in, he threw for one less passing yard than Walker did the whole game with five attempts. And I know a lot of that was a check down, but at least he tried. I mean, Walker, they, they were not going to let him uncork anything. And I, it just felt to me when I watched the film, all right, hey, look, I'm just going to do what the game plan says, dump it down. We're going to run the ball on a two-to-one ratio here. And then hopefully we can get to the finish line on top of the game. And that, that sort of bleeds back into the Matt Rule philosophy of let's just keep it close to the fourth quarter and hope we win. Well, I mean, the Giants are doing that right now, but they're actually doing some fundamental things that lead to those wins. The Panthers just seem to be, under the Matt rule line of thinking here and McAdoo's part of that. Let's just run the clock out and hope we're on top at the end. And I just think there needs to be a lot to look at here of where they're just operating offensively. It's very bad to watch. A hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. And I do feel for PJ in that situation too, um, because you never want to be limited in terms of what you're asked to do um, right. just from a, a game plan standpoint. And and that's just my that goes to my thinking, John. It's that if if you don't trust PJ enough to, you know, execute an NFL offense, then he shouldn't be starting. And I understand that they were uh, very restricted with their quarterback options due to the injuries, but I just think like you have to really just rip the bandaid off. I mean, PJ is an NFL quarterback. I think we can all respect that about him. But and I understand that you also have a game plan that you want to implement. But when it's not working, you know, after it goes fourteen to ten you know, give him some opportunities to really just, you know, show what he can do throwing the football. And I just don't think they did enough of that. He did have some misses, which we expect. And I think that just is going to lead into our discussion now with Robbie Anderson and, uh, you know, full respect to him for actually speaking to the media. A lot of players in that situation, they just, um, yeah, like the, the situation with Galladay in New York, he just kind of uh, is yeah. a guy that is also facing similar questions about his fit and role. And, uh, you know, I've seen some comments about how he just like after a game, he leaves after like 10 minutes. Um, uh, but right. no, Robbie has always been you know accountable uh, to the media. He's always answered questions. So uh, he definitely deserves credit from that standpoint. And I also do think, you know, I'm not going to sit here and bash the guy for, you know, whatever, however long we do this podcast, but I do think that he has a point that I, I don't, again, I don't know the full story. I'm just going off what both sides say, but to me, it looks like the offense, like we've already said was very restricted. And then because it was restricted, you're not going to need Robbie to play. And Robbie probably assumed, Hey, like, why can't I play? And I think those are valid questions on his part, because again, I just, you can't run like the Paul Johnson, Georgia tech offense in the NFL. You got to throw the ball. And I totally get why they wanted to keep things very limited. Paul Johnson made me laugh. I'm sorry. Hey man, he's a good coach. Um, He is. Um, but you know what I mean, John? Like I, I, I kind of empathize with Robbie too, even though like the way he reacted probably wasn't ideal. 
No, you can't. I mean, look, it, it, Joe Daly, once again, this is a, a coach that, that Matt Rule brought in. And I know nothing about Joe Daly personally. I don't know the man. I don't even know Robbie. I just know of him. I know of his reputation. And, and a Robbie is going to be a competitor. He's fiery, man. And I think Robbie genuinely wants to do well. He wants to win. It's not just about, you know, give me 20 targets. It's, you know, hey, I, I want to be a part of an operation that feels fluid, that feels like it, it's including me in the process. And um, I, I would have to imagine, you know, Matt Rule's been a real father figure to him in a way uh, ever since his Temple days. And I, I know people are kind of leaning on Robbie pretty hard these days. Um, I just say, look, these guys are human. Stuff happens. Um, it was probably not an easy week for Robbie to digest it. And they're paid well to handle this stuff. You never want to see, you know, that kind of stuff on the sidelines. People talk about the Kevin Green, Kevin Steele incident. I don't think it kind of rose to that, but it, it was a bad sort of sign that, okay, this, this can't continue. Robbie's not going to be a part of this operation. Obviously Steve had to draw a line there on the sidelines. And I, I think I can respect both guys for honestly, and I'm not trying to ride the fence here, but it is what it is. It's a bad football team, very bad offense. It's an interim coach. It's a frustrated veteran who's used to being able to, you know, vertically stretch the field and they're not doing anything vertically right now to highlight his skill set. So, I mean, credit to them at least for giving him the opportunity to speak and credit for him for getting up there and, and actually putting together some pretty cogent thoughts about what happened and what his mindset is right now. And 100% then, agreed. The team actually benefits from that. I think everybody got what they wanted at the end. Panthers get some draft compensation back and those picks like people laugh at it, but those picks can be flipped and used for other picks coming up here in this draft. You never know how that process works. So to get two picks out of that, um, I, I thought he might get released out right at some point. So everybody kind of calmed down, got, got their heads together after the game. And, you know, from what I'm told, I think that was a big part of what the process was there. Robbie for a while has been considered to be on the block even before Matt got fired. And, you know, Scott and Dan and those guys shopped around and they found a willing trade partner with Arizona who I think probably – you know, they got what they needed, but they, they might've overpaid a little bit. We'll see if it pays off for them. Best select to Robbie though. I mean, he was entertaining to say the least. And back in 2020, man, he was thousand yard receiver here when Teddy was distributing that ball with pretty good efficiency. So uh, yeah, I wish him all the best, man. I got nothing bad to say about Robbie. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and, and again, I, I don't even think the, you know, it's unfortunate with all these camera angles now, like you really can't hide on the sideline. Um, but there's outbursts all the time on it. We, we've seen the visual or the Brady yelling, cursing at his offensive line in Pittsburgh. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 I mean, I, and I've talked to our friend Luther Broughton who played for the Panthers. He was on that team that I talked about 98 where Kevin Steele and Kevin Green got into it. And, and his take on it was, dude, I was right there. We all forgot about it when we got to the locker room. Stuff happens on the sideline all the time. Maybe not to that degree, but it does happen. People are grown men. They patch things up. Um, it was just, you know, it's, it's red meat for people on, on social media. And, and I'm, I guess I'm guilty of it. I posted the clip, but I didn't have any commentary. I'm like, here, here's Steve Wilkes directing Robbie Anderson to leave the game. Y'all can decide what you make of that. And I, I think at that point we were going to see the last of Robbie in a Panther uniform. It's probably for the best because, uh, Matt rules, no longer his coach. They were tight and, you know, Steve's trying to do his thing now. And it's just, you know, Ben McAdoo's offense is not a good fit for, well, for any receiver, but <laughs> namely Robbie Anderson. Yeah, and I did see Wilkes, actually. He was lashing out at the wide receivers coach, too, kind of telling him to 
quiet down. Um, I saw that. Yeah. It wasn't just like a one-sided thing. It, again, it, it's a, it's unfortunate that you know it has that stuff happens. But uh, when you are a competitor like Robbie, who gets paid a lot, you want to contribute, and I don't blame him for um, react. Well, let me just say this: I don't blame him for wanting to get in. Obviously, I would have handled it a little differently. But you know, at the same time, you know, he's a guy who gets paid well, and uh, I think he'll do well in Arizona where he'll probably be yeah, I, much I more involved. You can, at, you can look at a lot of places on this roster and you can pinpoint, okay, this is where it went bad. This is where it went wrong. Robbie Anderson out there as the Z receiver or number two, or wherever he might be lined up was not the problem for Carolina the last two years. I know he dropped a few balls, but trust me, uh, you and I look at the tape enough. He was not the central problem to what plagues him right now. And I think we all know what it's been. So I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Um, okay. Moving on now. Uh, nothing else from that game really kind of stands out to me, John. Um, I mean, you know, it was a very ugly game of football for being completely honest and it's terrible uh, for Panthers fans. It sucks because the chiefs and the bills were on at the same time. So I uh, <laughs> yes, didn't really enjoy some actual high quality football. Uh, and again, uh-huh. it's one thing like a couple of weeks ago, uh, when they played the 49ers, at least we know the 49ers are a very like classy team. They know how to play well. Um, uh, but yeah, the Rams are just struggling right now too. So, uh, I mean, looking forward, John, uh, this team, these next five, five weeks, maybe it's, it's, it's brutal, man. I mean, you got the bucks coming into town they're going to be angry that they just got lost to a rookie quarterback in Pittsburgh. Yep. Uh, then you got the Falcons twice in three weeks and oh, by the way, a fun rebuild. That's a fun rebuild down in Atlanta. I wouldn't even That's say a they're a rebuild. Loss. They're a legitimately like good football yep. team. I, I mean, I'll get to them in a second. Uh, then you got the Bengals in between that at Cincinnati, I should say. And they're they look like they're finally like getting their groove back, their 2021 groove. And then you go at Baltimore again, very tough. <laughs> And then you got a game against the Broncos, and I think that's probably one of their last winnable games for a while because Denver yeah. is a complete mess right now. Wilson might not even play. looks like he has an injury that mm-hmm. he's dealing with. Uh, and then out of the bye, you have a game at Seattle, a team that's very looks very potent offensively. Yeah. Um, you have Pittsburgh coming here, which, again, another winnable game. Uh, Lions here, um, I mean, they're doing well offensively, but, again, that's um, – it's a winnable game, but I don't, I don't really. I'm It'll not be sure a what... sea of Steeler fans, but I mean, it, unlike we've seen before, I mean, they, they always invade. Just as a sidebar, it'll be, it's gonna be. I mean, if they keep on this losing track, oh boy. Yeah, and then you close out the year at Tampa, uh, which won't be easy in that New Orleans, and uh, the Saints are up and down, but they have some injury questions, and um, but we'll see. Well, right now, I think they have one, two, three, four winnable games. Denver at home, Pittsburgh at home, Detroit at home, and maybe at New Orleans. Um, so it's 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 tough. And yeah, I understand it's the NFL. Anything could happen. It wouldn't shock me if they won one of these next four games, whether it's to Tampa or Atlanta or Cincinnati or whatever. But um, I just want to get to what the Falcons are doing real quickly. And the reason I want to is because like this is a template that the Panthers should be using moving forward. Like the Falcons are it just it did just seem so much better well like better to watch first of all i mean you yeah. have a quarterback marcus mariota that they didn't go out and trade 
draft assets for. He was a free agent. And I understand there's some familiarity between him and their head coach. But at the same time, they also didn't trade up in the draft for Spencer Ritter. Uh, Excuse me. Is his first name Spencer? Spencer Radler? No. <laughs> Desmond Ritter. Desmond, oh my God. I don't know why. It's just you're, you're, down, you're, you're down here in Gamecock country talking about Mr. Ritter or Mr. Radler. Jeez, well, I got, his, I got his first name wrong. <laughs> I got his last name right. Brains. Where our brains are in a blender, folks. Relax. We, we're, we, we get the quarterback straight now. But you get what I'm saying, though. Like, they took him in the third round. No trade-up or anything like that. And he doesn't have – he's not even playing. And – and they just yeah. look so much better efficient. And it's Cordell Patterson has missed time. They got like running backs just coming in and out. And I don't know, John, th- that's a very fun team that looks like they have a chance to actually have some sustainability moving forward. And they moved from Matt Ryan. They got into the Watson sweepstakes. They struck out and they pivoted really well. I don't know, man. I feel like this is a template you can use that you don't have to overpay to get a good quarterback to run your exactly. offensive system. Exactly. And that, that's where coaching comes in, Billy. I mean, look, they, they've got the, and the, you can't un you can't undo what was done. And, you know, hopefully David Tepper has learned some valuable lessons here, but when they put together the initial coaching staff, it was rife with, with Baylor temple with, with a sprinkle of, of NFL experience in there. And then you, you can't just, go into an off season and say, okay, you know, Matt, we're going to bring you back, but you got to go bring in some rock star coordinators and throw them all together. And by the way, oh yeah, you need to find a new quarterback while you're at it and install an entire new offense. And oh yeah, by the way, put this entire new offensive line together. Now, part of that they've done pretty well, but overall, look, Arthur Smith, Dean Pease, they're maximizing everything right now. I mean, they're getting the most out of that roster. They're, they're almost last in the league right now and pass attempts per game. I mean, they've, uh, they've only thrown right now. Let me just check this 137 passes on the season and they're averaging 6.3 net yards per attempt. That's 11th in the league. So that's good efficiency. They're maximizing every pass attempt in the running game. They're averaging, you know, right around 4.9 yards per carry. And they're doing it with, like you said, a number of guys, they're creative. They use a lot of motion. They get guys out in space. There, there's a concept and a scheme and a and a design to their offense that makes sense. And you can see it coming together. And they're winning games. And that's really what matters. And it, it's it's a testament to what they're doing. I'm not saying they're gonna go all the way here, but they're right there neck and neck with Tampa. They should have beaten Bucks had not ridiculous, been ridiculous. Ridiculous penalty. Grady Jarrett, the Buccaneers could very well be two and four right now because Atlanta had all the mojo going in that second half and that fourth quarter. So, no, I think, you know, look, Fondo, Arthur Smith, all those guys, you know, hats off. I mean, they're, they're doing it the right way. Yeah. And, and we didn't get a chance to cover Tepper's, uh, um, his, what he said in his press conference uh, um, last right. week. And we'll do that right now. And, and, and one thing that stuck out to me, and I, and I hope he's learned. Someone asked him a question about like, what has he learned so far of like being an owner? And his, his answer was really like, was fairly straightforward, but it, it was very interesting the way he said it. And he said something along the lines of everyone in the league has the same amount of draft picks. You can't outspend your competitors, your peers by throwing Mm -hmm. money at the solution. There's a salary cap involved. It was something to that 
you know, effect. And that was very interesting to me because he, I think realizes that this isn't like the MLB or some of the European soccer leagues where you can just come in with an infinite amount of money and just throw, you know, buy this player or that player, you have to work within the construction of the salary cap and within the NFL, the limited amount of draft capital, and they have limited amount of draft capital. And it's not lost on me a couple of times. He mentioned that during the presser. And I'm not sure if that's, that was a shot at the current front office for their uh, willingness to just throw draft assets away to towards players or whatever. But I, I found that interesting, but overall, I mean, there were some other talking points that we will get into. Um, I don't know if you have just a general overview of that presser and kind of what your thoughts are and what he said. Yeah. You know, look, it, it it's, it's good to hear him talk. I mean, it's always interesting to hear an owner speak uh, candidly, whether we agree with it or not. I think, you know, we're honest enough on this show to understand that, you know, there, there are certain things that David Tepper has said and done that you know we don't agree with. And I, I honestly, he's a keen observer of social media and, and commentary within the Charlotte media landscape. So I don't know if he's ever peeked into the Roar podcast ever. I, I would assume at some point <laughs> he might have, and that's fair enough. I'm sure we've blistered him quite a bit, but you know what? You earn what you get in this league, good or bad. Um, man, the guy he hired, his hero, Matt Rose hero is Bill Parcells. And he said, at best, you already record is. And, you know, we can talk data and analytics all day long, but at the end of the damn day, Jesus, you got to start putting out a production and an operation that resembles something worth paying for as a fan, worth going to, worth turning the television on. It's been a constant struggle getting to that point. And these things don't just happen in a vacuum. They don't happen by accident. I mean, these are decisions that have been made, a lot of which have been made, as I understand it, and I think you would understand it the same way, by the former head coach because he was given a lot of power for a long time. And I think that sort of chipped away a little bit as Fitter installed his own sort of scouting base and scouting operation here. And I'm not ready to throw Fitter or Morgan or these guys out to the wolves yet. I'm just not there with that. But I do think they need to be held accountable for some of the things in terms of where they've gone. Now, how do you do that? Well, obviously, you just get better. I mean, you can't – I don't want Tepper in that room. I don't want him making decisions on person. I want him as distant, as far away from all of this as possible. And this is no shot at Tepper – it's the same for Stan Kroenke or Jerry Jones or anybody. I, I don't care about the owners. I don't want to hear from them. It's okay to hear from them in this context. But during the season, when the team's doing well, I just want the operation to look functional. I want the team to start resembling something competitive in the NFC. And I don't want to hear the owner talk about it. Just stay out of the way. Let your football people do a good job. But get this next hire right, please, for the love of God. I mean, there's a lot of ways they can go here. And I, I do not think it'll be Steve Wilkes, although, like I said, I think highly of him. Um, I think there, there's some really good options out there they can look at in terms of not just getting an offensive mind, but but maybe retaining a few of these guys they've added that are really good. And I would try to keep Chris Tabor around. I would try to maybe keep James Campen around. Um I would give Ricky Prohl a call and see if he wants to come back and coach wide receivers, honestly. Um, I, I don't know, man. I just think it was interesting to hear from him. Him and Scott Fowler tangled pretty good. I mean, that's always entertaining. And Scott wrote what I thought was a pretty interesting column in hindsight um, after all that happened. He said, look, I don't want an apology. I don't want, you know, 
anything from you, Mr. Tepper. I just want your team to be better because the whole city deserves it. So, you know, does David Tepper want to lose? I'm sure not. Does David Tepper um, think he invented music in Charlotte? Well, it sounded like it, but at the <laughs> end of the day, it's not, none of that is important to me. I, 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 I applaud him for those efforts. That's great. A lot of people got a lot of pleasure out of a lot of concerts there and still will. I, I'm here to watch this football team play good football. And then, you know, my kids are all about that. And they're in the dumps right now because their team sucks. And I'm just hoping they, they find a cure for that. And it all starts at the top. You know, Pat Kerwin, the executive for a long time in the league, former Jets guy, worked with Pete Carroll, worked with Parcells. He does a great show on Sirius XM. And I'm a big fan of Kerwin. And he said about Tepper, and he said this about Haslam, he said this about the Pagulas, especially early on. It takes time to learn how to own. And I'm willing to give Tepper like a second chance. I mean, what choice do I have? You can't fire an owner. So you're, you're, you are who you are. Hire good people. You got some good ones in the building already. Get a head coach that knows what he's doing. And let's get this thing going. Get a quarterback for crying out loud. Jesus. Yeah. And, you know, another interesting um, point that came from that presser was his refusal to endorse Scott Fitterer long-term. He said he's not thinking about making a change at general manager, but he emphasized right now. I didn't yeah. take that one way or the other, but then I watched Mike Florio in, you know, his uh, PFT live, what he did uh, in the, the next day with Chris Sims. Uh, he mm -hmm. believes Fitter is in trouble, um, but Locally, there seems to be a lot of agreement that Fitter is safe. I don't know what to believe. National media yeah. versus local media at this point. I'm, I'm going to let those reports stick to themselves. Uh, I'll just go by the owner's words that the owner is safe right now. And that doesn't yeah. mean he won't be safe in January, or that means he could get an extension in January. I don't care. Well, I don't know. You gotta get, the, the, what you got to get to the bottom of, and, and and obviously we'll we'll never know the full answer to this, and it's maybe someday it'll come out. You've already seen Jonathan Jones, who's one of my favorites, and he he put out some reporting on Matt Rule about you know the brand and and all the stuff we suspected that was going on in terms of you know try to you know let's supplant, keep pounding with this just God awful college mantra that does not play in the NFL at all. And it's like, Oh, okay, we'll say that confirms you... a lot of what I thought about who he was. And that's fine enough. Doesn't mean he's a bad person. Just means that's not NFL material. I agree. Uh, that's, that's very, very, um, I don't know if you listen to the split zone duo podcast, actually college football podcast is really good. Um, great show. I, I didn't hear it lately. No. What did they, what do they say? No, they just think like even the social media part, that's, a lot of college coaches do that. A lot of good yes. ones. A yeah. lot of guys like Lincoln Riley, guys like Dabo, guys like Saban, oh, yeah. Kirby. They like to control the message. And that's I can totally that. 100% ex that's totally. totally relevant in college football, in my opinion. You have to do that. But I agree. It's, it's a college thing, not a pro thing. No, it is. You know, I think, you know, is Scott Fitter in trouble? Well, you got to take stock as an owner. And I just hope... I mean, who do you rely on here? I mean, if you're David Tepper, who's your, who's your loot? It's right now it's Steve Drummond. I mean, we know Steve a little bit, Steve. I, I actually kind of know Steve a little bit because he used to be the lead PR guy for the Panthers. And he was one of the guys kind enough when I covered my first camp back when Ron and Cam were here their first year. And so that was his job. And now he's basically the, I think the VP of football operations now. Um, and I'm not saying he's unqualified. I, I think Steve's a really good dude and a smart guy. I just wonder if like 
in this future venture, like, you know, Kevin Colbert, for instance, an old Steeler guy sitting out there as maybe a consultant type of role. I, I don't think they need to go out and get maybe a search firm, but I think you need to like the Ernie Accorsi thing. You need to, you know, find somebody who has some type of, you know, maybe <laughs> I would say it'd be John Fox, but he's currently employed by the Colts. Find somebody who's been around this, you know, operation before or around any operation with success and lean on them for a little bit of guidance as far as where you go, because I don't, you know, David Tepper's resume as far as hiring the next coach right now, it, it amounts to sitting outside of Matt rules home in Waco and offering him more money than the giants would. And that's really what it came down to. Um, now who else did they interview? I mean, the enemy, I think that ship might be sailing for Eric for whatever reason. Uh, McCarthy. I don't think you're doing a whole lot better there. I do. Uh, no, maybe. I mean, at least the staffing overall, they would have had a more professional staff. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and clamber for Mike McCarthy. I'm not going to say they missed out on the boat. I do think though, that he's a professional NFL coach and uh, yeah, just, right. just what they, what he did with Cooper rush, I think speaks to, um, you know, his competency as NFL coach. And again, I'm not, I don't care that they missed out on him, but I just think that he's much more of an NFL coach. Than- oh, definitely. Definitely. I, I think they just, they got to nail this. So, I mean, they can't afford to go down this path again, where you, you, misfire and there, there was a report out yesterday billy and i i hope to goodness it's not true that jack easterby's name was mentioned in connection with carolina it's where did you see that report i believe that was on pro football talk florio tweeted that out a couple of times um that one of the teams that could be con- connected to carolina would be uh one of the to jack easterby would be carolina and obviously easterby's kind of a local guy here he was a newberry college guy right down the road from me but I, I would have zero interest in bringing that into my building. And I, I speak no ill will towards Jack Eastby personally. I don't know the man. I've just heard enough bad stuff going on in that Texans culture to know that that's not the direction you want to go. And I just think Tepper needs to lean on somebody other than Fitterer a little bit to kind of size up where they're going next. And I just wonder who that's going to be, because if you don't fully trust Scott, which I can't speak to, I can only go on his quotes from his press conference, which you said earlier, um, you know, you got to lean on somebody and just make sure you don't uh, you don't have to hit a home run. Just don't strike out. I mean, find some competency at the head coach position. You've got some good young candidates out there, and and not even young. You got candidates all over the board that could fit what you want to do. But it's just as much about staffing around the head coach as it is getting the guy. I always lean in this direction. I'll leave you with this. Like I've heard this said before by by guys like Kerwin and others who've hired before, and especially in this current environment. If you want sustainability on offense, it might be wise to hire an offensive head coach because you see these OCs getting scooped up after two or three years that are hot commodities and they get the head coaching gigs and it's harder to replace those guys. So I don't know. I mean, I just think they need to be thinking about, you know, Shane Steichen, uh, Waldron, guys like that need to be on their radar right now. Yeah. Um, the only thing I'll say is that watching the game, uh, they showed Tepper in, his, in the suite he was sitting at with his wife and uh, beneath him was Samir Suleiman, and I'm guessing the other members of the front office yeah. uh, probably share a suite with Tepper during the games. So I don't necessarily yeah. think they're secluded from any kind of conversations. If they were, then I would probably be uh, a little more worried about um, you know Scott Fitter's uh, long-term yeah. you know, future. I, but I'm going to lean on the local guys right now. I, I think like – I saw Josh Klein tweet this earlier and you're like Fitter feels pretty safe or something. I'm paraphrasing here, but that's kind of what Josh was getting at. I've seen others kind of indicate that, 
you know, and I think that's probably the smart thing to do. I, we got to see, you know, obviously Scott without Matt, Let, let's detach Fitterer and, and just as importantly, like Cole Spencer, Dan Morgan, um, and some of the new scouts here in the building, Jeff Morrow and others that have been here for a while. Let's try to detach those guys from what Matt was, which was really just a college coach stuck in an NFL building. Like you said, with his hands on way too many buttons, let's see how they operate without that sort of dynamic. And I think if that fails, then we'll go from there. So I think you got to, you got to at least imagine half of these bad trades were on the head coach at least, but that's just my theory. No, and that's, uh, again, you could be right. Um, I, I still haven't found that Easterby Texans or excuse me, Panthers piece, but I did see something that uh, Jason Lockenfora um, wrote last week where he said that um, an NFL executive uh, likened the powered influence of the guy you've already mentioned, Stephen Drummond within the Panthers to that of Easterby. Um, yes. So essentially what he's saying is that uh, Drummond, who doesn't have a personnel or football operations background, uh, supposedly holds considerable sway with ownership and has consulted on in all key manners. Um, the executive quoted, it's the same dynamic as Easterby, just doesn't get as much attention. I don't know. Like, hmm. I don't know what Stephen Drummond has done that would elicit any type of negative reaction. I think with Easterby, it was pretty clear the guy was running the organization into the ground in Houston. Um, I don't think, I mean, at least to my knowledge, Drummond seems like a really nice guy and doesn't seem like he's, uh, you know, someone that's kind of tearing the organization apart. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. That's just something to keep in mind. Here's the Florio tweet, by the way, this was two days ago. It looks like um, after his exit in Houston, will Jack Easter be end up on another NFL team? Apparently he's already begun looking for a landing spot. And then he quote tweeted that himself and says two different people have said Carolina. He apparently almost went there before going to Houston. That's from Mike Florio back on the 17th at 1143 AM. So look, I don't have anything to back that up. I'll just leave it at that, that, that that's not the direction that they need to be going in right now at all, at all. Yeah. That would, um, when he went to, do you know what year he went to Houston? I don't recall. No, but, um, I know there's been a lot of conversation about how it, how it went with them in Houston and it wasn't pleasant. Yeah. That, um, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I just, I just wonder when he went to Houston, like if, if, uh, Tepper was the owner by then, or if, um, this was still under the Jerry Richardson administration. Um, but it looks like, like, it seems like it was under probably, I'll have to do some research. Yeah, you know, like I'm just looking at his... he was with he was with the New England Patriots for a while, I think. Easter Yeah, East. so he tried to. Uh, it looks like 2019. He switched over to. Uh, he went to Houston, so it, it wasn't yeah. topper ownership. Yeah, um, and then in but... Casario, they obviously had a connection there too. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, that was... that would that would honestly get me to just give up. He was, honestly. He, he was... Well, here's his background. Okay. With the Gamecocks again, I know this program pretty well. He was uh, their character coach back in 2005 to 2010. And then he was the team chaplain for the chiefs. Um, and then he was the character coach and team development director for the Patriots. And again, whatever that is, do some research. 
And then he was given the title of executive vice president of team development, which is essentially the same thing, character coach. <laughs> so again, um, he's changed titles a couple of times in Houston and uh, whatever. We're spending way too much time on Jack Easterby. I don't think that's going to happen, but at least Florio, you know, threw that weather balloon out there. So uh, there's that. Yeah, that honestly, I'm looking at all the quote tweets here. I'll just say this. If you want your fan base to hate you more than they already hate you, <laughs> that's I don't like I, I honestly right I, I don't even know what to say. That would honestly just that would be the that would be the Lombardi trophy of hatred right there. <laughs> like, okay. I mean that that would we're honestly go just... now we're gonna we're gonna go down that road after all that dysfunction in Houston. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I'm not I'm not sure that would um yeah, I, I don't know. That that would uh that would be very bad. Let's, I'll just leave it at that. And Quit being so ambitious, Dave. Just let's keep everybody still. Let's hire a good coach and let's find a quarterback and develop him. Let's try that for once. Yeah, honestly, I would rather take Marty Herney back. I would too. I hate at least, you know, Marty has shown some. And I don't want him back. Let me just be clear. I don't want him back. But I would rather get Marty Herney back for a decade. Important than, disclaimer there. Than have Easter be in any type of organizational capacity so back. I'd take but let back me just say this i think this is a perfect example of that things are very bad right now things can always get worse so yeah. just keep yeah. that in mind because yeah they, they, we yeah. thought last year we, we we thought last year in a lot of ways that that things would never get worse than they were in that back stretch of the season and here we sit with more questions and answers right now so i mean it, it's not trying to be depressing or, you know, just in the dumps, but it, it is what it is. You're one in five. You kind of loaded up to make this season competitive and injuries and other factors have, have just let you down. And offensively, once again, I know that's kind of the theme here. They're just, they're broken. They're really broken. And they've got a, they got a lot of money invested in a lot of guys on that offense. So it's, it's unfortunate. Yeah. And again, just long-term thinking, let's just hope, you know, things don't go off the deep end and they throw themselves into the, you know, any type of like crazy volcano here with some nonsense, like hiring Jack Easterby in any type of organizational yeah. capacity. I don't, I don't, I mean, res with all due respect to what he does, I just don't want him anywhere near this team. Um, he can do his character coaching and whatever, you know, yeah, you know, he can do it privately. He can do it for another team whoever wants it. I just don't want any of that issues here. And I, I hope that this organization has some type of um, clear head to not pursue that. I really I, hope yeah, so. It's, it's Florio. He Florio is right half the time. And there's other times where he, he's probably not right. So I, I've seen no other people report that substantially. So hopefully it's just, if you're interested in seeing good football and, and a smooth operation, that's just a false alarm. Cause that would really be a setback. I think. Yeah. But anyway, let's get to like the matter at hand here. Um, moving forward with this team, uh, they've already shipped off Robbie Anderson. Uh, and the question is, who next and what are they going to do moving forward? Um, you know, there's been a lot of reports regarding Christian McCaffrey, some people labeling it as uh, you know, the Bills and the 49ers as options and uh, teams have checked in with the Panthers, but there's never been anything to the limit of, um, you know, actual trade parameters or mm -hmm. uh, put in place. Uh, but to me, look, there is no way 
any team in 2022 is trading multiple first round picks for any running back. I don't care if it's Bo Jackson mixed with Barry Sanders and mixed with, you know, Christian McCaffrey or whoever, like you are not getting multiple first round picks for any running back, let alone no. Christian McCaffrey. Could you get a first round pick? I highly doubt you could even get that. Could you get a day two pick? I think that seems a little realistic. Mm-hmm. Maybe a second, maybe a third. I don't know. Yeah. But I think that there has to be a price. And I think if it's a day two pick, then you should think long and hard about moving on from him. And I understand that he's a focal point of your offense. Um, but I don't know. Like, you're not winning games with him. I mean, with all due respect to the guy, I mean, even in 2019 when he had his career year, and I, I know there were certain issues with that season, specifically quarterback again, but he only won five games. Um, so yeah. it's, it's not like you're winning like all these games with him that he has to stay here. Um, and I want to reference a really good piece that Brad Spielberger of PFF wrote. And um, he mentioned uh, some players that could potentially be trade candidates. Um, but one area that, or excuse me, the first sentence he wrote in his article, it it's just, it's so perfect. It's like the Carolina Panthers dug themselves a multi-year hole after trying to apply band-aids to an open heart wound as their short-sightedness led to a scary lack of resources considering the complete lack of talent on the roster. Um, and he mentioned wow. there are some good, there are some young building blocks in place like Moore, Kwanu, Moten, Burns, Brown, yeah. Horn, and Chin. Uh, but beyond that, I think everything else, like he says, is a question mark. And uh, the players that he mentioned as possible trade candidates were Bradley Bozeman, Cam Irving, CJ Henderson and McCaffrey. And then he lists, yep. up, you know, the pending free agents. So uh, he thinks maybe, you know, if a team gives up like a fourth rounder for like Iodinos, then you could probably trade. But I don't know, John, what do you make of just all the discussions with trade talk and who they should and shouldn't send out? Yeah, I, I'm leaning on no fire sale right now. Now, I mean, there's a difference between what, I might do versus what I think is going to happen. I, I, I look at McCaffrey as, you know, a square peg round hole type of situation. Like every time there's been a full season, at least since Rivera, well, I would say Mike Shula in particular, who I, I still think did one of the best jobs of utilizing him because he had the luxury of having both Jonathan Stewart and Cam Newton with some hella good legs at the time to work a nice triple option offense into the mix and run some good pony formations out of Um, you bring up 2019 and it's interesting. And this is no knock on McCaffrey. It's just the nature of the business. I mean, his production is not necessarily, you know, equating to a necessarily higher level of production for the team, meaning wins. So, you look at his best season, it was 2019. He caught a ton of balls. A ton of those were check downs. And to his credit, he caught them all. And he ran for a lot of yards after them. But are you really getting the most out of him now versus, okay, if you could get, you know, something reasonable in the draft, it will not be a first-round pick. I mean, that's no one's going to do that. That has to be your starting point publicly negotiation-wise. I get it, but that will not happen. Um, as interesting, like Charles Robinson had a thread today about this and I'll just read you a little bit of what he wrote and Spielberg is great, by the way, he's a, he's a good one. And he's always on top of the, the cap stuff, which is great. Um, 
In terms of the franchise's interest in McCaffrey, I'm told it's teams that are, quote, a running back away from being Super Bowl complete or being Super Bowl contenders in 2022. Bills are interested, but slow playing it. I absolutely believe the 49ers fit that mix, too. Compensation-wise, I think multiple first-rounders chatter is a reflection of what David Tepper would like, but not what the market is. I don't believe any team would surrender to first. Maybe a first-rounder plus another pick or assets as possible. Um, Robinson continues, to be clear, the Panthers aren't looking to tear down or fire sale. They'll likely deal a player or two that were, quote, rule guys, but wants to keep this core together, especially on defense. They also believe McCaffrey's a helpful player for whoever the future quarterback our young uh, coach is so there there's go just follow Charles Robinson on Twitter. He's usually pretty plugged into this stuff. So t- to me, I don't know what you do. I mean, look, that cap thing is tr- problematic and there's going to be teams that are going to want to get a reduction on that. Um, Cause it hits hard next year. It's pretty cheap this year, but I don't know what you're going to get. I the, the first multiple first rounds is ridiculous to even imagine that first round plus additional picks. I still couldn't fathom that happening. Um, I'd almost be inclined to just keep him and let it play out uh, because, I mean, what, what are you getting in return if you deal him? And he is valuable. But, I, again, I debate this as I'm saying it because, like you said, some of his best production, you look back at the, the trend, the team in the right direction. Well, maybe his absence last year gave them the record it did in large part, but also his presence in 2019 did not elevate Kyle Allen and others down the stretch, they they were a disaster. And part of that was firing Ron Rivera and then Perry Fuel comes in and you see what happens with an interim head coach. So here we are again. I don't know. Um, I think Shaq uh, Thompson's an interesting name to keep an eye on. I think there's a few veterans out there that this is interesting this time of year, the trade deadline where it is in the season, you've got so many teams bunched up in the playoff race. Now teams that are suddenly like, Oh shit, we've got a chance here. Like the jets are, uh, you know, the Giants or other teams that, did, that had really probably no consideration for playoff potential. It, you're getting really close now to that sort of window. Of, could, would, he, would a McCaffrey benefit us? You know, not necessarily the Giants or Jets. They've got their running backs. But I think you get what I'm saying. Teams like that, 49ers, maybe. I, that doesn't seem like a 49ers type of move, though. I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't. Um, they seem to like, I mean, they, they still, you know, a lot of draft capital, but not necessarily like premium draft capital on running back. So it's more like yeah, the third, fourth, and fifth good. rounders, yeah. and they do it every the year. Running backs, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't see them. Maybe the everyone's mentioned the Bills, and that's possibly one. Um, yeah, I, and about that reporting from Robinson, I'm not disputing anything he wrote there. I, it, the thing that just annoys me about that report, nothing. Again, I want to be clear. I'm not criticizing the reporter. I'm criticizing the fact that. Tepper is supposedly the one that is signing off on how many first round picks McCaffrey should be generating or any, what the value is for him. Right. That, that should be a GM and front office decision, not a owner decision. Yeah, totally. Totally. I mean, that, and that's, you know, once again, I Robinson, I can't speak to how accurate all that is, but he's, you know, he's got a good track record there. And I, I just let the GM do the GM work. That's what I'd say. The, the David Tepper needs to, focus on continuing to bring great music to the city of Charlotte and continuing to bring soccer and, and, and work on his headquarters and and the things that he's trying to get done here and just kind of park it with the football stuff and let football people be in charge of that. Um, but no, the San Francisco thing, I, I, I think Buffalo would, would be an intriguing fit for McCaffrey with, you know, his prior experience with Ken Dorsey 
knowing Joe Brady a little bit. Obviously, there's some connections there with Brandon Bean, you know, tangentially with Sean McDermott, although yeah. they, there's a crossover there, but they know the same people. They run in the same circles. And I think they could find a nice niche for McCaffrey in that offense because they actually scheme things up pretty well there. Um, but San Francisco, I don't see that because I just, they, I mean, they, they plug in the system with the, you know, the zone blocking and people off the street can run for a hundred yards and it's financially viable. Um, you know, go, moving on in that article, uh, Spielger mentions that Carolina should bench Baker Mayfield because, and I just realized this too, and I, I knew it when it happened, but the pick that Carolina sent Cleveland is a conditional fifth. That could be a fourth if he plays 70% of snaps in 2022. Wow. And Spielberger says that while it may appear to while it may appear unfair to hurt Mayfield's free agent situation by not letting him continue to play, uh, his performance more than warranted a benching in his own right. Uh, but I, I mean, I don't know, maybe it's just a, as one of those soft benching types where you're still injured, but you're being benched for performance related issues as well. Yeah. Um, I don't know what you've heard on the status of the quarterbacks this upcoming week. I know PJ had to leave the game, went through the protocol, passed it. Uh, Laura Oakman said it was like a neck injury by the time that game ended. Uh, so I don't know if he's in line to start or if this is a week for Jacob Eason. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, the door is open for that. I mean, obviously the the situation is, is real muddy. I mean, I, I don't know where PJ is right now in the process. I mean, right now we're recording this on a Tuesday night, I think. Once we get around to like Thursday, we're going to get a better idea of what's going on. It was a neck injury. Um, you know, he said that he thinks he should be able to play next week. Now, man, obviously that's an evaluation decision as well in terms of, you know, injuries aside, do you want to start looking at, you know, the other guy, which right now is Jacob Easton. Cause I think Baker's a ways out here. And I think Sam, like you said earlier, is a ways out. So I don't know. We'll keep an eye on it, but I, I, would imagine if he's healthy and ready to go, it'd be PJ once again. I I'd be shocked, but maybe they'll go with Easton. I don't know. Yeah, and according to the reporters who were at Steve Wilkes' presser yesterday, uh, it seems like there was no comment on where the quarterbacks are in relation to their injuries. So we'll yeah. get a better idea tomorrow at practice. Um, but it's been yeah, kind of quiet. I mean, they're they're playing it close to the vest, and I I get it. I mean, you're trying to maintain a competitive edge is the right way to talk to the media. It's, it's, you know, just, there's no need to make that decision right now, but I think you brace yourselves because Tampa always does it right defensively, whether they have the personnel healthy or not. I mean, Todd Bowles, he's going to throw everything at you and it's uh, it's got the potential to be a rough go for whomever is in a quarterback, even if it were Donald or Mayfield, but you know, gosh, Jacob Eason, who has very little experience, or PJ Walker, who has a ton of turnovers and doesn't throw the ball downfield now because he's not allowed to or won't. Um, yeah, it's got the potential to be pretty bad. Yeah, um, yeah, it, it's uh, it won't be pretty. Um, nope. But you know, John, as we do close out here, uh, you know, it's been a very good conversation. Um, just kind of just dissecting where the team goes moving forward. Um, again, I don't necessarily expect any fire sales either. I know. <sighs> This is why I, I don't want to get myself in trouble, but this is why people just 
latch onto everything with social media. They they see a video from Brian Burns on Instagram about like the 49ers and the Rams. Oh, my God. And, you know, I like Sosa. He's a good friend of mine. You know him too. He likes to have fun and poke jokes here and there. Yeah. And the same thing with Jordan Elliott, who covers the 49ers. I don't think they're making that stuff up. I don't know where that video came from. I don't know where either video came from. I, I went to, I follow Burns on Instagram. I didn't see on this page. I don't know what you saw. I get, I don't know. Maybe he just really likes Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't know. <laughs> but again, I didn't see the video. So I'm not sh- suggesting anyone made up, you know, a fabricated video and just threw it out there on Twitter. <laughs> I, 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 uh, do you I, want to spend a second like addressing this? Yeah, I I think you you look at the track record of what professional athletes post on Instagram and usually the, the good stuff the juicy stuff is on Insta because you get the stories and you get the, you know, the, the little reels there. And I don't participate in Facebook very much anymore. I don't, unless it's just to kind of like trade pictures with, you know, my relatives are like, Hey, what's going on with your family and all that. But like Instagram is where the real meat <laughs> comes out in terms of how, um, how this stuff is perceived. And look, I, I think the individual you mentioned earlier, we both know him and it's all good and fun. Uh, but I, I'll say this, like, take everything with a grain of salt. I, 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 I'll say this without knowing anything for sure. And I don't want to speak out of turn here, but Burns in particular, he's not tweeting that, Oh, please trade me to the Rams. Oh, come on, come get me 49ers. That's not what we're doing. And if anything, it's a troll job or just having some fun. These guys are humans, man. They like to laugh too. So just understand that most of what you see there, I mean, 90% of the time it's, it's nothing. And I just think if Brian Burns does get traded, I don't know if that's a great decision. I don't think they're trying to do that right now. In fact, I'm pretty certain they're not. Um, And you know, if they got a first rounder out of it, you got to think about it, but don't go on Instagram and and draw conclusions. Oh boy. There's a Jimmy Garoppolo highlight reel. And oh, there's a Ram and look at the other 50 things. The guy posts animals all day. He's a wildlife connoisseur. Um, and, <laughs> and he did. I get it. It's a, he's kind of a troll. It's a It's a funny guy. He's got a sense of humor. Just understand. Brian is a little bit, he's wired a little bit different in a good way. I like it. I actually kind of got a kick out of it. No. And, and I looking at his new, his pictures uh, that he put, or excuse me, his story today. And, you know, he has, you know, a few posts of black Panthers. So let's just, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I let's, think we can all relax. Yeah, although it was funny to see Sosa's, uh, so, you know, some of his, the algos suggested for you was about like a bunch of Instagram models. <laughs> I saw that. It's just like, oh boy. That's I'm like, why come I on, Sosa, on. what are you look? What are you doing on yeah, IG, Sosa, bro? You called yourself out there. Yeah, that's why I, I stay off the gram, man. I, I, I'm too old for that shit. I just, <laughs> just go on Twitter and, and shit post and get on out of there. Yeah, that's how you get in trouble. Um, but anyway, like, yeah, I agree with you. I don't see Burns getting dealt unless a team comes in with like an offer that includes multiple first round picks. I, I don't think just one will do it. I think you want at least two. Um, and any team willing to part with two, um, I think we're willing to have a conversation. Uh, but uh, with all that said, John, um, you know, pretty good, you know, podcast here. Uh, yeah. Any final thoughts? Yeah, hang in there as always, uh, Panthers fans. And I, it's the same theme every week. And uh, Billy and I, you know, we both, uh, Billy said it best at the top of the show, we both have a lot going on. So I think 
what you'll probably see is a more sporadic schedule in the, the latter week part of our weeks here in terms of Thursday, Friday, they're not going to necessarily be a regular preview show, but you know, Billy or I independently or together might pop in on a Friday once in a while and give you a little bonus content, but uh, certainly Mondays or Tuesdays, whatever works for us, we're going to give you a recap. And on that note, I mean, look, as we look forward to Tampa, um, like I said, it's an interesting time for, for Tampa Bay because Tom Brady is is certainly not at a loss for words right now. He has his own podcast, and he's certainly uh, giving us content on, on FM radio and on podcasts in terms of some of the stuff he's been saying lately and some of what he's going through. Look, that's his personal life. I won't touch that, whether there's a divorce or not. That, that I'm just looking at what's on the field. It's a really bad situation with that offensive line. It's not good. It hasn't been since the preseason. And you can get after Brady a little bit. You can do some things. I think Wilkes might have a pretty decent day here with this defense. If they can stay relatively healthy and get Horn back, maybe get Luvu back. Uh, but as I said, the the offense is just really – the offensive line feels like it's finally connecting, but the rest of the offense, it's a bad situation to walk into against Todd Bowles' defense. So uh, hoping they play better, hoping things get better, but um, I wouldn't hold my breath. Yeah, again, just like last week where – the offensive line of the opponent is struggling mightily. So you might see the Panthers start out really well. Um, I don't know how sustainable it is for them, for the Panthers to keep scoring defensive touchdowns every week. Um, but I, again, uh, we'll see what happens. Um, you know, that's it for us. I, I do want to mention that we will probably bring on some guests here in the future uh, just to kind of get a glimpse of where the team stands and how they're going to be moving forward in the yeah. future. But um, thank you again for joining and we'll see you guys next time.